Isn't it good to think about the fact that it's Memorial Day and and we remember those who gave up their lives to win us freedom, that the ultimate gift that won us freedom was what our good, good Father gave to us in sending His Son, who died in our stead, taking the penalty of our sin upon Himself, so that through faith in Him we could be free. We could, we can uh, have forgiveness of our sin and and be in right relationship with Him, and uh, we celebrate that good Father today. Hey, let's pray before we open up the Word. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you love us with a love that's so deep we cannot even fathom it. We thank you that you've revealed yourself to us in your word because you want to give us direction in our lives. You want us to learn to depend more on you. You want us to experience eternal life now that we will find joy and peace in you. We pray that as we open up your word, that you would teach us from it. That you would impress upon each of our hearts and lives your goodness. And that you want us to come to you in prayer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Encourage you to open up your Bibles with me this morning to Matthew chapter 7. We have just two more weeks where we will spend in the Sermon on the Mount. And I will be gone for a little bit. And then upon my return, we will, we will start a new series this summer on how to determine God's will for our lives. How do we know what His will is for us? Even down to how do I know if I should pursue this career or this career? How do I know where I should live? For those of you who are yet unmarried, how do you know? who you should marry, all of those big decisions of life, and just how do we know the steps that we should take in our everyday lives as well. So that's where we're going to be going starting in July. But uh, we right now are in Matthew chapter 7. As we come to the verses that we are going to look at today, Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12, Jesus, once again, comes to the subject of prayer. He first introduced the subject in chapter 6, verses 5 through 8, where he talked about an abuse of prayer. How Israel's religious leaders were praying just for show, so that they could be noticed by other people. But then following that, Jesus begins talking to his disciples, those who are truly wanting to follow after him, those who are seeking him. And he says, this is how we should pray. And he introduced a pattern for us in prayer in those most uh, familiar verses that we refer to as the Lord's Prayer. And he gave us a pattern for prayer in those verses where we can begin in prayer with reverence before him, declaring his character. And then we respond 
to who he is in all of his character by recommitting ourselves to his purposes, to his kingdom purposes, asking him to control us by his spirit. Then we can move to requesting from him what is on our hearts. And finally, we declare that we are in readiness, wanting to serve him, battle ready to enter into our daily lives through faith in him. So Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 verses 9 through 13 gives us some very positive brushstrokes of prayer. Guidance for how we can be praying to him. And in that light, he comes back to the subject of prayer today in chapter 7 verses 7 through 12. Talking to those who truly are seeking after him. And and encourages us to be persistent in our praying. And when we are persistent in our praying, he will answer. And we're going to see that he will answer the persistent prayer of his people... Not because of our methods. Not because of who we are. Not even because of our persistence. He answers persistence, persistent prayer because of who he is. He answers prayer because of his character. And we're going to see the importance of once again... Seeing from his word who he is. Because our view of God shapes how we approach him. People have all different views of God. I'm a grandpa now. This weekend I've been able to spend time with all three grandchildren. And as I sat with the two of them on Friday evening, we were supposed to be feeding them supper, and the girls just were not interested in in eating their supper. So what did we do? We gave them Reese's. We gave them a candy bar. Even though they hadn't eaten their meal. Now, as a parent, we would never have done that. But as a grandpa, who cares? As a grandpa, let's have candy first. And if we're still hungry, we'll eat something healthy later. And some people view God as kind of like this grandpa that's supposed to give them, give us whatever we could possibly desire. Some people view God as almost a tyrant. When I was a kid, I used to love to do experiments with ants. I spent hours doing ant experiments. If you ever want some fun, one thing that you can do is catch a black ant, tie a thread to the black ant, and then tie a pin to the end of the thread and stake the black ant out on a red anthill. It's fascinating. (laughs) 
And the red ants will haul the black ant down into their tunnel. And if you give it enough time and pull the string back out, you'll find this huge wad of red ants on your on the black ant. It's pretty interesting. And some people view God as, as almost like a tyrannical God. A God who just has us on this string. And it seems like everything in our lives is just like we're being sucked down into a tunnel. And, and nothing's going right and everything is painful. And we can actually start viewing God as one who's almost a tyrant. Some people view God as a CEO father. He's really busy. And he doesn't really care about what's going on in my life. Uh, my stuff, you know, I, I talk to him and it just seems like my prayers just bounce off the ceiling. And it doesn't, I don't feel like I ever get any answers because it's probably, you know, he, he just doesn't really care. He's, he's a CEO God. He's keeping the universe going. He doesn't really care what's going on in my life. But if I bug him enough, maybe he'll answer. And see, what happens to us is, as we experience different things in our lives, we tend to get out of focus as to who God really is. And that's why we have to stay in the scripture. That's why we have to come back to our Bible day after day after day and get a fresh glimpse of his character, who he really is. And in the passage Jesus the passage that records Jesus words here today in Matthew chapter 7 verses 7 through 12 Jesus makes this point. He will answer our prayer. Why? Because of who he is. In all of his character, he is a good father. And that's what truth he wants to leave with us. That's what, that's that picture that he wants us to have of him. He is not a grandpa that just showers us with stuff that we shouldn't have. He's not a tyrant that has us on a string that is just enjoying seeing our misery. He's not an aloof God, a CEO God who doesn't is too busy to really care about what's going on in my individual life. He is a good father. And so Jesus, wanting to drive that point home, says these words in Matthew chapter 7. Verses 7 through 12. And you can follow along in your copy of the Bible as I read them. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who when his son asks for a loaf. Will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more 
Will your Father who is in heaven give what's good to those who ask him? And everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. As Jesus begins once again this focus on prayer, he calls his disciples, his followers, to be persistent in prayer. Verse 7 has three commands, imperatives. And they are written in the present tense, meaning this should be an ongoing thing that we are doing. Those three commands in verse 7 are ask, seek, and knock. Not very many of our English translations bring this out. One of them does. But this verse could actually be translated, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And as Jesus shared these words, that's how his, the original people sitting on that hillside, that's what they would have heard. Be persistent. Keep on asking from him. Keep on seeking him. Keep on knocking on his door. Be persistent in prayer. And the very simple truth that Jesus portrays here is that God hears us. He answers our prayers. Notice in after each of those commands, ask, seek, and knock, it says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, you'll find. Knock, it will be open to you. 4 verse 8. Jesus is saying, this is why I'm so confident that God hears us. Because, or for, everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. He hears our prayers. This past week, I was on tech support with my cell phone company. Oh, if you want frustration in your life, try to get your mobile bill fixed. Terrible. I've made five trips to my cell phone store. Five. And then this time, I think we finally have it fixed. Five trips. This time, they're getting used to me and they said, let's just go into the back room We're going to get corporate on the phone and we are going to fix this. I said, that's what I want too. So I've got two local tech support people and me in the back room talking to corporate headquarters. I've got all my notes because I take notes. So I've got... I've got the last five bills written out. I've got notes on each one, what every tech support person has written. I've got little codes so that they can go in and read their notes. And I start laying everything out. And I'm talking for a while, and I'm talking for a while, and then I paused. And I started to wonder, is she still there? And I paused a little, I bet I paused for 30 seconds. And I finally said, are you still there? And she says, yeah, I'm listening. 
I'm reading all the notes that I'm listening. And you know, sometimes for us in our daily lives, we start to think, you know, I'm talking to the Lord, I'm talking to the Lord, I'm talking to the Lord. God, are you still there? And Jesus here, in a very succinct way, very simple way, says he is. He wants us to be persistent in our prayer. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Why? Because when we pray, we are mentally, purposefully telling him, I need you. We are purposefully, consciously saying, I am depending on you. And that's the Christian life. That's exactly where he wants us to be. When we start thinking in the Christian life, I can do this on my own, we're in trouble. When we start going through our days and never talk to God, we're in trouble. When we start thinking that we can be the employee in our office that we should be, that we can be the dad that we should be or mom that we should be, if we should be the spouse that we should be, if we can do that on our own and we're not talking to God about it, we're in trouble. Why? Because when we're not expressing our dependence on him, we're depending on ourselves and we're going to fall flat. We cannot live out the Christian life in our own strength, in our own ability. We cannot do it. And so here, Jesus says, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Because we're consciously depending on him. And very simply, he is listening and he will answer. Now, we look at these verses and and the first question that comes to my mind is, as Jesus says in verse 8, everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be open. And so, on my mind is, well, what am I going to receive? What am I going to find? What's going to be opened up to me? What is Jesus saying in these verses about prayer? What am I to be asking for? What am I supposed to seek? What is, what, what is Jesus' point here? What's the object? What am I asking God to do? What am I asking Him for? Well, as we look at the verses up to this point, I think we find some answers. Certainly, Jesus has said in chapter 6, verses 25 through 34, that we looked at a couple of weeks ago, that he will meet our basic needs. Remember, he, he made a point. Invest in heavenly treasures, not earthly treasures. And when we do, we can trust him for what we eat, what we wear, for the roof over our heads. He will take care of us. If he, if he clothes the lilies of the field, if he takes care of that ugly little house sparrow that's just a pest to us, he's going to take care of us. 
So certainly we could in confidence say that it's okay for us to ask him, to seek him, to knock at his door for our daily needs. I don't think that's the primary thing that Jesus is talking about here though. Because if we look at the verses right before it, up in chapter 6, verse 33, what did Jesus say? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. All those daily needs he's going to take care of. Our heart needs to be seeking his kingdom and his righteousness. In other words, we need to be seeking not things, but we need to be seeking what God wants to do in your life and my life. We need to be seeking his kingdom purposes for you and for me. Jesus has been talking about things in the Sermon on the Mount, like having a humble heart. About being merciful to people. About living rightly. About purity. About loving other people. And I think what Jesus is asking us to do in these verses. Is to pray about the things that are after his heart. Pray about the things that we look into my heart. You look into your heart and we say. This area of my life doesn't look like Jesus. I need it to. And take that to him. Bring that to him. Continually to pray and say, God, give me that heart of grace, of mercy that I need right now because right now I don't feel very merciful. Or God, give me eyes that seek pure things, not impure things. Or, God, give me love in my heart right now because that person in my life, I don't want to love them. Those are the types of things that, that, that I think Jesus in these verses is saying, let's seek those things. God will take care of my physical needs. James in James chapter four, verse three talks about misplaced Request before God. And in James chapter 4 verse 3. He says you ask and do not receive. Because you ask with wrong motives. So that you may spend it on your pleasures. Here. Jesus is not describing a grandpa God. One that just wants to shower us with whatever we could possibly imagine. Barbara and I have friends when we lived in Dallas, Texas. They've been married probably about five years. And they said to us one day when we were having dinner together, we're not going to have kids until we can buy them whatever they want. That was their, their mark of when they were going to start a family. Not till we can buy them whatever they want, then we'll start our family. That's not the kind of God that we have. And what happens is we tend to start approaching God Based on how we view him. And so Jesus in these verses. Is first telling us to be persistent in prayer. And he will answer. 
But then in verses 9, 10, and 11, he in a sense tells us why. Why does he answer persistent prayer? And in verses 9, 10, and 11, we see that the reason God answers persistent prayer is because of who he is. His character. The reason God answers the disciples' persistent prayer rests in the nature of God himself. In verse in verse 9 and verse 10, they both begin with the little word or. You probably see that in your Bible. In the, right in the beginning of verse 9, right in the beginning of verse 10, it says or. In other words, Jesus could be saying or, let me put this another way. What father is there out there? What dad's out there that when his child asks him for something, he tries to trick him? He tries to fake him out. Your da- your son comes to you and says to you, Dad, can I have a loaf of bread? And you go out into the field and find a nice bread-shaped rock. And give it to your kid. Here's your loaf of bread. Or your son comes to you and say, Man, I'm really hungry. Do we have any fish that I can have some fish for supper? And instead you find a snake and give it to your kid. Jesus says, No way. Look at his conclusion of verse 11. If you then, being evil, meaning We all have sinful hearts, right? Each and every one of us are born into sin. We view things as sinners. And the moment we put our faith in Jesus, He forgives us our sin and starts a transformation in our lives, making us more and more like Jesus. But we still have that bent towards sin in us. So Jesus says, Hey dad, you're a sinner. I am. And if you, as a sinner, know how to give a good gift to your child, look at the second part of verse 11. How much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give what is good to those who ask Him? Isn't that a neat verse? If I know how to give a good gift to my child, how much more will my Heavenly Father Give good gifts to his children. If if me, this sinner that's been saved by grace, but still has that bent towards sin in my life, if I have a desire to give a good gift to my child, wouldn't a good God give so many more good gifts to his children? My oldest granddaughter, Eloise, turned three. On Sitten Demai, Norwegian Constitution Day. For all of you Norwegians, you would say, Boy, that little girl is greatly blessed. Born on Sitten Demai. We celebrated her birthday and gave gifts. Now, I've been a little bit busy lately, so my wife decided to do the, the purchasing, not the purchasing, but the scoping out of the gifts. And, uh, she filled our Amazon cart with gifts and said, would you look at these before I order them? 
I looked at them and I said, Barbara, these are all grandma gifts. These are gifts that a grandma would give to a grandchild. There's got to be a little bit of grandpa in here. We can't just give all of these girly girl gifts to Eloise. If grandpa's got to have his fingerprints. So Barbara removed a couple of the girly girl gifts. And grandpa got to put his influence. So we gave her a little bug house, like to cast bugs and to keep her bugs in. We gave her a little book called A to Z of insects so she could study about the bugs. And we gave her a magnifying glass. That squirt loves that magnifying glass. In fact, she was getting ready to leave and I can't find my magnifying glass. I can't find my... And her daddy had it. And she has spent ever since then looking at things through the magnifying glass, just walking around studying things through the magnifying glass. She's actually getting a fresh glimpse of things, seeing things up close for what they really are. And what Jesus is reminding us here is that each and every one of us need to have a fresh glimpse regularly of who God is. Because it's very easy for us to get off skew. It's very easy for us when, when life gets hard, and it does. As my pastor in college said, you're either getting ready to head into a long, dark tunnel, or you're in the middle of a long, dark, long, dark tunnel, or you're maybe seeing a little bit of the light at the end of the tunnel, or for a brief moment, you're outside of the tunnel enjoying the sunshine, but don't get too comfortable because you're just going to head into another tunnel, right? And so, when we get into those tunnels... It's very easy for us to start viewing God in a wrong way. We can even start viewing him as a tyrant. That he doesn't care what I'm going through. And he probably is just getting pleasure in seeing me suffer. Or we can start to view God as an aloof CEO who's just too busy for me, this little peon. And what Jesus tells us in verse 11... Is no, God is a good, good father. Now this morning, we are not just going to talk about prayer. We're going to pray. Don't worry. This won't be hard. But I don't want to just talk about this passage. I want us to do it. So what I'm going to do is ask Pastor Brian to come up, and I think Trudy's going to come up with him. And the first thing I want us to do, we're going to actually sing a song together. We're going to sing just a portion of the song that we sang right before we started looking at Matthew 7, Good, Good Father. But this time as we sing it, I want you to just in your heart, for me and for you, just to almost pray it. Meaning, as you sing this words either out loud or if you're not a singer in your heart, 
to actually pray it to God. Declaring that He is a good, good Father. Because He is. And then when we're done singing just a portion of the song, I want each of us just to take some time and ask Him. But what I want us to ask Him for is not necessarily something that we need right now, a material thing. But I want us to ask Him for things that we know in our lives needs to look more like Jesus. And I think probably most of us in this room could identify one or two things that right now in my life, this doesn't look like Jesus and it needs to. And so let's just take some time after we're done singing to pray and ask him to seek him, to knock at his door, asking him to do a work in each of our hearts and lives in whatever area you want to talk to him about. So your life will look more like Jesus. And then we'll come back and talk about verse 12.
Father, we praise you and thank you that we can talk to you and we can tell you that we need you. And we thank you that you are a good Father and you want to do good things in our lives and help us as your children to be persistent continue to come in your presence and ask you to do good works in us, helping every area of our lives to look like Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. Yes, Jesus wants us to have that that view of God that sees him as good because how we view God has everything to do with how we approach him. And if we view him as a good God, we can enter his presence with joy and with peace and with persistence and ask him to do his work in our lives. And these verses tell us That he will do it. Well as we come to verse 12. Jesus actually in verse 12. Summarizes a lot of what he said. All the way back to the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Clear back in in chapter 5 verse 17. Jesus said don't think that I came to abolish the law. Or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. And by that, Jesus was saying that he is what the Old Testament is all about. The Old Testament points to Jesus Christ. And here in verse 12, Jesus pronounces what we refer to as the golden rule. In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. This is what the Old Testament is about. This is the Old Testament law. In other words, if we do what Jesus says here, we would be obeying God's law. The Apostle Paul picks up on that in Romans chapter 13 verse 9. He quotes from Leviticus 19 verse 18. We see what Jesus says here in Matthew 7 is actually... An Old Testament principle in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, we read this. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So here Jesus says in verse 12, in everything therefore treat people the same way you want them to treat you for this is the law and the prophets in other words do for others what you would want others to do for you if the situation was reversed you know to do that we can't do it on ourselves by ourselves can we To actually do that, to put that into practice, takes God's 
work. It takes God's undergirding. It takes the Holy Spirit to actually equip us to do that. Jesus has just challenged us to be in prayer, persistent prayer, so that our lives will be marked by everything that Jesus has been talking about. That we would be kingdom people. That people would see Jesus in us. So he says, be persistent. Seek. Knock. Ask. When I was in high school, we had a principal and a vice principal. Remember how we were taught in grade school how to know the difference between principal, P-R-I-N-C, I-P-A-L, and principal like a maxim or a truth, P-L-E. Well, the principal is your pal. You ever notice that the saying is not the vice principal is your pal? In our high school, the vice principal was the heavy. The vice principal, his name was Mr. Moxley. Everybody feared Mr. Moxley. He was the disciplinarian. No one ever said in that little slogan, the vice principal is your pal. No, the principal is your pal. Right? Even though Mr. Moxley probably had a great heart and wanted to see the best for the students at Abraham Lincoln High School in Council Bluffs, Iowa, we didn't view him that way. And because we viewed him as a strict disciplinarian, that's how we approached him, with fear. And here Jesus is all about reminding us that we need to approach God as a loving father. And how we view him has everything to say about how we approach him. So Jesus, once again, brings us to prayer and calls us to be persistent. And he will answer. He hears. But persistence in prayer is not why he answers. He answers to prayer Not based on how we are praying, but based on his character as a good father. Dear Father, we thank you for these verses. We thank you that you remind us here in your word that we are to approach you as a good father. Not an overindulgent grandpa, not a tyrant, not an aloof father who can't be bothered, too busy for us, but as a good father who wants to do good things for his children. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.